0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of You Can Manage That, a podcast for first-time managers who want to level up their leadership skills. I'm your host, Chris Asper, and if you're a first-time manager who wants to develop your mental strength and fitness, then you need to listen to this episode. Corey Chadwick is my guest, and he's a proud dad, husband, mental fitness and performance coach, optimist, and the founder and CEO of The Mental Gym. Just like we have gyms for our bodies, the mental gym is for your mind. He loves working with innovative people-first leaders and progressive organizations, building mentally fit people for high-performing lives and highly engaged and connected cultures. And he's on a mission to help us consistently think, feel, and show up at our best. He calls it Living Your 10, creating a ripple effect that helps make the world a better place. Corey, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Chris. Great to be here.
0: Yeah. So let's just kick it off with the first question. What is mental fitness?
1: All right. So let's think about mental well-being on a scale from one to 10. Normally, when you hear somebody say mental health, people think about people who are unhealthy, right? You'd say mental health, someone thinks about somebody who's burnt out, depressed, that sort of thing. If you said physical health, you probably think of somebody who's really healthy. Somebody who's strong, somebody who's fit, somebody who's lifting weights or running, that sort of thing. So it's interesting how we think about those differently. Mental fitness is about being really healthy. So if we think about well-being on a scale from 1 to 10, yes, absolutely there are some people who are at a a 2 or a 3 or something like that. I think it's great that there's more and more resources becoming uh, available and it's getting more attention as it should. It's long overdue. But really, most people aren't at a 2. Most people are like 5, 6, maybe even a 7, making it work, getting by. But, you know, they're stressed. They're mentally strained. They're burning out. They want to show up at their best. Not really mentally prepared to do that. So what mental fitness is, it's really about taking people who are in that mid-range, that five, six, seven range, and helping them move up to 8, 9, 10. So that they can think and feel and show up at their best consistently in all areas of their lives. So it's really about getting fit. And yeah, we help people get mentally fit.
0: So my podcast is meant for first-time managers and those who are listening are first-time leaders. Why do you think it's important for this audience of first-time leaders to focus on becoming mentally fit?
1: I think because leaders genuinely care about how they show up, right? You, you're you not just impacting yourself, you're impacting some other people, a lot of other people. There's a ripple effect that goes through that to their homes, right? their family life, to their personal life obviously to how they show up at work, this is so important. And as a leader, you have so much of an influence, so much impact on people. You create a ripple effect one way or the other. Mm -hmm. So if you're showing up at like a five or six or even a seven, that's the ripple effect that you're creating for your people. You're showing up like a five or six version of yourself for them. So they only get a leader who's showing up at a five or six. You're capable of so much more, but you're only giving them like half of what you got because you've only got half a tank to give them leadership is stressful. It is tough being a leader, especially a first-time and emerging leader. Nobody gives you the handbook on here's how to be a great leader, right? Chances are pretty good that you've been promoted for being a a high performer or something like that, really excelling in what you're doing, but nobody taught you how to lead people. It's a very, very different thing. Uh, If you're going to lead people, first you have to learn how to lead yourself. Mental fitness is very big on, on leading yourself and developing the mental habits, the tools, the skills, and the mindset to consistently show up at your best. So for you, for your team, for everybody who looks up to you, for everybody that you touch and impact, I feel like you're doing yourself and your team and everybody in your world a disservice if you're not fit and you're not as mentally fit as you could be.
0: Hmm. So it, let me take it from the opposite perspective then. Let's say that they were mentally unwell, how would that impact someone's leadership?
1: There, there are a lot of kind of symptoms of people who are unwell versus people who are well. Energy is one of them. People have more energy when they're mentally fit, less energy when they're not. People are much happier and more fulfilled in their lives when they're mentally fit and healthy. People who are unwell generally are less happy or or unhappy. The further down that scale you go, the less happy you're gonna be. Higher performers. People who are mentally fit perform at a higher level. They consistently show up and perform at a higher level. They have more of themselves to give. They also think more clearly and more creatively, and so they make decisions with confidence and clarity, which helps them show up and act and behave in a different way. People who are mentally unfit, oftentimes have a tough time making clear decisions. They lack the confidence to do that. They lack the clarity to do that. It shows up in our physical health as well, our emotional health. So how we deal with conflict, how we communicate with other people. There are really so many things here. And and of course, we already talked about, you know, feeling stressed and burned out and things like that. Well, mentally unwell people are highly stressed, anxious, feeling overwhelmed, burnt out. Mentally fit people, we work with people who are really busy and have a lot on their plates, but they don't feel overwhelmed. They don't feel like they're burning out because they have the mental tools and skills to handle it and to really thrive in those situations. It's not just about how do we get by and just get through another day. It's how do we thrive? So yeah, there's a big difference.
0: When you're talking, I was thinking about leadership is about this ability to do more and to take on more. And so being mentally fit allows you to take on more and be able to do more. Whereas if you are not mentally fit, and you are being thrown on more, you're not able to step up to the requirements of that job.
1: Yeah, and I will add to that. It's like bandwidth. like The same way your computer has bandwidth, we have emotional and mental bandwidth, right? There's only so much capacity we have. So one, we have to increase that bandwidth so that we can take on more, just like when your computer increases bandwidth, it can kind of take on and process more information and perform at a different level. But the other thing is, people who are mentally fit also recognize how important it is And so they're more aware and more prepared to proactively take care of their mental fitness, which means in a lot of cases, setting boundaries, saying no, like, no, I'm not going to take on everything. I'm not going to do everything. Not feeling guilty about saying no. I know that a lot of people like to make people happy, right? Be people pleasers. Say yes, yes, yes. You don't want to say no. But learning to set boundaries, learning to protect your well-being is really important. So nobody's going to benefit from working 18 hours a day and sleeping four hours a day and never exercising and not eating well. Like that's not what we're talking about here. You know, sleep is essential. Self-care is essential. All, all mm-hmm. of these things are so important. But mentally fit people can certainly do more and perform more and at a higher level in the time that they have. They're more efficient. They're more productive. They're more focused. They're more engaged. And and I kind of feel like, why wouldn't you want that?
0: Yeah, why wouldn't you want that? Yeah, for sure. You were talking about essentials, and on your website, you mentioned six essentials for mental fitness, and so I'm just curious, what are those six essentials?
1: So the essentials are kind of six kind of big, bigger ideas, and then have a lot of moving parts underneath them, but we're talking about self-awareness, accountability, vulnerability, optimism, purpose, and grit and growth mindset. And actually, we'll be adding a seventh, which is emotional intelligence.
0: Okay, so I got self-awareness, accountability, vulnerability, mm-hmm. optimism, purpose, grits, and emotional intelligence. Is that correct? Yeah,
1: grit and growth mindset together. Grit and, growth mindset. and you can awesome. add, you can put resilience into that category as well. Perfect. Um, yeah, what's really cool about these essentials too is working on any one of them and getting stronger in any one of them. It's going to have a really positive impact on your life and how you show up. But what's so great about them is how they work together. Mm -hmm. These are not six or seven isolated concepts. They're actually pieces of the same puzzle. And they work so much better as pieces of the same puzzle. So when you learn how they work together and how they complement each other and how to use them together, it's, it's really powerful.
0: Okay. So, you've worked with a lot of people at different stages in their career. When it comes to these essentials, which of these would you say is more important for first time managers?
1: Oh, wow. It's like you're asking me to choose between my children. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, bit. I mean, it, it, it is unfair to say one is more important than the other. But what I will say is that it all starts with self awareness. Mm. And so, the more self aware that we can be, the better we're going to be, period. We're gonna make better decisions for ourselves, for our teams, as leaders, as people. Um, We have to know what makes us tick. We have to know why we think the way we do and why we make decisions the way we do and how we feel about that. And we we have to know what we're really about. And without that, we're just kind of going through, through life kind of blindly. It's like you're you're flipping a coin and being like, yeah, I'll go that way. Or you're just doing what other people do or making decisions like other people do just because that's all we know. So self-awareness, I cannot overstate the importance of that enough. If everybody in the world is a little bit more self-aware, the, the world would be a much better place. Any favorite ways for you to yeah. improve self-awareness? For me, the, the real journey of self-awareness... Began when I asked myself, Who do I wanna be and what do I really want out of life? And this Mm. is something that I started asking myself seriously when I was 21. Who do I wanna be? How do I wanna show up? What do I really want out of life? And if you ask those questions honestly and you answer them honestly, you're gonna get some great insights into who you are and what's important to you. So, for example, when I started asking myself that question, I didn't know a lot, but what I knew was, I wanted to be happy. Like, this really mattered to me. The reason that we do what we do, the reason that we take the jobs that we do and and make the decisions that we do and have the relationships that we do and think and act and behave the way we do, we do it all because at the end of the day, we want to be happy and we want Mm -hmm. to feel fulfilled. And I think we got to ask ourselves, are we actually happy? Are we feeling fulfilled? And if we're not, why not? And it, I don't think it's enough to just be like, eh, I don't know, I'll figure it out later. No, 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 that's, that's, that's not an answer. So for me, when I started asking myself these questions, okay, like what will it take for me to be the kind of happy and fulfilled that I want to be, I, I had to, to really look in the mirror. I had to ask myself some, some questions, some honest questions. Sometimes it's a little bit uncomfortable when you're doing that, but it's important that that we're willing to be uncomfortable. That's how we grow. Mm -hmm. I think any first time leader is going to appreciate that, that the only way you're going to grow is by getting out of your comfort zone and pushing yourself to grow. So yeah, I think asking yourself some real honest questions and and not being afraid of what the answers are. Don't judge them, just kind of neutrally observe what the answers are and and just be as open and honest as you can. I think that's a really important process for for anyone to go through.
0: I'm sorry to make you pick your children, um, pick your favorites for your children. (laughs) Right. But you said self-awareness is the key, and then you also mentioned how to be able to improve self-awareness. Is there a second favorite child amongst your
1: essentials? If we're talking about leaders, I mean, all of these are just really crucial for leaders, but I'm going to go with grit and growth mindset. And here's why. The number one predictor of success is grit. Angela Duckworth is the the person who wrote the book on grit. And grit is passion and perseverance for very long-term goals. That's how it's defined. So passion and perseverance for very long-term goals. What does that mean? Well, you've got big goals. You're ambitious. You've got things you want to accomplish and achieve. And anybody who's ever done anything that's worthwhile knows that it's not easy. It's not like life just hands it to you and says, here you go. You got to work for it. You're going to experience some real ups and downs along the way. Can you keep up that passion? Can you be resilient? Can you keep going and pushing forward no matter what? You're going to get knocked off track. Can you get back on it? Can you keep moving forward? The number one predictor of grit is growth mindset. There's two types of mindset, growth mindset and fixed mindset. I'm going to do this in a real nutshell for you, but fixed mindset means we don't believe that things like our abilities, our talents, our skills, our character, we don't believe any of that can change. It's like we're born this way, it's set in stone, this is the way we're always going to be. Where growth mindset means our mental attitude about those things is that no, all of these things can be improved. With teaching, with learning, with persistence, these things can be improved. And so, if you can improve, how much can you improve? Like, it's not like a a yes or no, a black and white answer, right? It's like, well, if you can improve, then how much can we improve? Like, how good can we get? How great can we get? So I think for a leader who's trying to inspire people and bring out the best in people, especially now when the large majority of people are burning out, mentally strained, stressed, quiet, quitting, disengaged at work, and your job as a leader is to get people to show up and be engaged and perform at their best, You're also trying to create a connected team and a connected culture. Like you've got a lot on your plate here. If you don't have grit and you're lacking the growth mindset, it's going to be a whole lot more challenging for you. Whereas if you do have those skills and you keep developing those skills, it's a tremendous advantage. So if I'm picking between my kids, I'll go with those two for now.
0: In terms of grit and the growth, what are your favorite ways to develop that grit and growth mindset?
1: For me, it was, I mean, again, it's the work, right? It's the consistent work and consistent practice of developing these. I went through a lot of tough times growing up. Life wasn't easy. Over time, I realized maybe that's the point. Um, Maybe that's the point. I'm not sure. My parents growing up were on again, off again, on again, off again. So, you know, that that was tough. I didn't really feel like that was was in my control. When I was 16, I contracted a freak rare brain virus that took doctors seven months just to diagnose it. So I spent seven months not knowing if I was going to live or die. Or if I was going to live, was my life going to be the way it was, which was not enjoyable. I suffered from really intense headaches, constant dizziness, like I couldn't walk a straight line. And again, I felt like this wasn't in my control. And that's that's not a great feeling when you feel like things aren't in your control. <laughs> mental wellness and well-being came on into my life around that same time my mom suffered from mental illness. And it got bad. And I... <sighs> You know, there's still a stigma. This is 25 years later. There's still a stigma about mental health. Then there was definitely a stigma. So people didn't talk about it. She didn't talk about it. She tried to hide it from us. So I had no idea how bad it was until she tried to take her life. And then a short time later, she tried again. And eventually she went through with it. And it was a really scary time in my life. It was devastating. I was heartbroken. I felt lost. And it was scary because I was worried that this could be genetic that maybe this was gonna come for me too and I was gonna turn out like my mom. And that's really what started my mental fitness journey. It was right then and there, realizing that I wanna be happy in my life. I wanna live a great life. I wanna impact people. Like I had an idea of the kind of life I wanted to live and it was very clear to me that, that it wasn't gonna be easy. Maybe there's, these are some challenges that are abnormal or harder than people experience. They're probably not as hard as some other people experience, but it's like we're all dealt a hand in life and this is the hand that you're dealt, so what are you gonna do with it? It was that time that got me to really be proactive with my well-being. I was a psychology major at the time. I was an analytical thinker. I liked knowing how things work, so I could always improve them. And so I started upgrading and rewiring how I thought and made decisions and behaved. Small adjustments, a little bit at a time. All those adjustments create a compounding effect. They add up and they add up to really incredible results. To answer your question about grit, I learned grit just going through life, recognizing that I had a choice, that I either keep going or I don't. I either keep going and make a decision about, does my situation define me? Do my circumstances define me? Or do I get to define me? And just keep going and just keep going and just keep going. To answer your question about how do people develop grid, I wouldn't suggest adding a ton of adversity to your life just to practice these skills. But everybody faces adversity. We just went through two and a half years of a pandemic together. This was adversity that all of us shared together. It was a challenging time. It continues to be a challenging time. Work keeps changing. People's lives are constantly in flux right now. There's no real new normal yet. We haven't settled into that yet. So I think everybody can relate to their own version of adversity, whatever it is, to their own ups and downs, up and down challenges. And I think we just got to recognize that, that this is a choice, that we either keep going or we don't. We either strive to continually improve ourselves or we don't. And it's recognizing things like every time you've got knocked down, you've gotten back up again. Like your success rate's 100%. It might not feel good. It might not be fun. But you do it and you got through it. And I don't think now's a good time to start betting against that 100% success rate, right? So you've got some level of grit. The question is how much? How much are you going to develop? When you see a challenge, do you get flustered? Or do you see an opportunity to, to overcome a challenge and improve, right? Like just little shifts in our mindset like that. Do we see an opportunity for growth and improvement or do we see a roadblock? Like just thinking about it that way is going to take that growth mindset, apply it to grit and, and help you develop that grit.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Thank you. And, and thanks for, for being vulnerable to share your story.
1: Oh, for sure. It's one of the essentials, right?
0: Yeah. I <laughs> want to talk about that essential next, in fact. But I wanted to touch on your point about grit. I think the one thing that you said that really sticks with me is just getting through it. And the second thing I think is choice, hmm. is understanding that in this moment, yeah you have a choice. You have a choice to continue going, or you can choose to stop or turn around and quit. And, you know, the more often that you go through that adversity, not that you want to go through it on purpose, but you have that choice. And if you make that choice, that's when you can develop your grit.
1: Yeah, exactly. Awesome.
0: Vulnerability. I want to talk about vulnerability because it's one of your essentials and, and you just had a beautiful example of vulnerability there how would you say that vulnerability is essential for emerging leaders and their mental fitness?
1: Yeah, so I'll start with why it's essential for all of us and then apply it specifically to emerging leaders. Every one of us is just like a person, right? A human being trying to go through life, trying to figure it out the best way we can. Mm -hmm. We want a lot of the same things like happiness and fulfillment. We wanna be great family people and we wanna show up at our best, right? We wanna impact other people, live a meaningful life, a purposeful life. Like we all want these things. And we weren't taught how. And what we were taught is a definition of success that we should value ourselves and evaluate ourselves based on how much money we make, our job titles, how many Instagram likes we get, and that sort of thing, which all has a really damaging impact on our mental well-being. Because of that, we've really been taught to kind of present this image of ourselves that we want other people to see. I might be struggling on the inside, but on the outside, I want you to think I've got it all together and it's great and I'm going to post on Instagram like the best half second of my day that's all you're going to see. You're going to compare it to the full 24 hours of your day. And then you're going to think, oh, what's wrong with me? Why can't I be that happy? Why can't I be that successful or show up like that? But th- but that's what we do. And when it comes to things like, like our mental well-being, we think if we are having a tough time, if we are struggling, if we're not showing up at our best, then there's something wrong with us. Then we're weak, that people might judge us. And truth is, people might, because unfortunately that's the way it's set up. But what we do is, because we're not open and honest about who we are and what's important to us and what we want and what our challenges are and things like that, because we bottle that all up and then just try to present an image of what we want other people to see, it's as if we're telling Like, Chris, have you ever been caught in a lie? Have you ever, like, told a lie and then got caught in a lie and then, you know, you're trying to, like, cover up your lie so you keep trying Mm -hmm. to tell a lie? Mm -hmm. How does that feel? How would you explain how that feels? First off, I feel trapped.
0: And then secondly, yeah. I, I feel like I have to one up each time. It keeps on going and going. And so you're, you're making up stuff as you go. If I feel trapped, I want it to go away right now, but everything that I'm trying to do is just digging me in a deeper hole.
1: Digging deeper, right? And it's making it worse and yeah. it's heavy, right? And, and you get like anxious about it. So that's kind of what we're all doing and feeling in our normal day-to-day lives. Mm. But we've gotten so used to it, because we've been doing it forever, we don't even recognize how much weight we're carrying around by doing that. So we're stressed, we're anxious, we just want that to end, that feeling to go away. But again, it's like, it probably started this in first grade or something like that, right? So we've been doing it for our whole lives, it's just been normal, so we're carrying around so much. Vulnerability is just being real and honest about who you are. Like, forget the judgment, forget all of that. It's just, this is me, this is life, this is real. I'm not the only one who thinks this way or feels this way or is experiencing this thing. In fact, we all are, but we don't talk about it, so we think we're the only one. Vulnerability is the opposite of the feeling that you described. Mm. It's letting it go. It's letting go of the crap. It's just, it's being real. It's being honest. It's freeing. It's liberating. It's empowering. And when we talked before about we only have so much mental bandwidth and so much emotional bandwidth, we're eating up so much of it by not being vulnerable. The other thing about vulnerability is people think, well, if I'm vulnerable, then other people aren't going to think of me the same way. They're not going to respect me, they're going to feel distant, they're going to pull away and things like that. It's the complete opposite that's true. When you're vulnerable with people, when you're open with them. And I'm not talking about, like, sharing every secret that you have. I Use some discretion here, but... When you're just open and honest with people, instead of pushing people away, what you actually do is you bring them a lot closer together, because they feel connected to you, mm-hmm. because they get to say, oh, me too. Like, I feel that way. I think that way. I'll give you an example. I was, I was giving a talk at a company a little while back. I was talking with about 70 people, and the topic of anxiety came up, and we just kind of ran with it, and, and one gentleman was describing his anxiety, and they were in a really high-pressure environment, that, that company. They put a lot of stress and pressure on people. And so he's describing this anxiety and how it felt and what it was doing to him and, and everything like that. And I said, hey, do you, do you ever talk about this with anybody? Have you ever even mentioned this to anybody? He's like, no. I'm like, well, why not? He's like, what are they going to think of me? They're going to judge me. They're going to think something's wrong with me, all, all these things. And I said, oh, okay. And he goes, I, I, and the truth is, like, I think I'm the only one. Like, I don't even think anyone else would understand. <laughs> so I said, hmm. all right, room of 70 people. Who can relate to this? Who else feels this way? And every single hand went up. Every single hand in the room went up. And I asked them to just look around. I said, look at each other. Like this wasn't planned or anything. This is just very kind of conversational. But I said, every one of you look around. Every one of you thinks you're the only one. And yet every single one of you understands this because you're all dealing with it. You're all in the same boat together. So why do we keep pretending? Why do we keep acting like we're the only ones who are living life as a human being trying to navigate it and do the best we can? So this is why vulnerability is so important. Now, Mm. as a leader... There's this real old-school leadership mentality about you've always got to be right and you've always got to have all the answers and you can never admit when you're wrong. And I think that's the biggest load of crap in the world. When you are honest with people, when you say, no, I don't have all the answers. I, I need answers. I want help figuring out these answers. No, we don't have this thing figured out, but like, we'll figure it out. Hey, you know what? I'm not showing up at my best today and I just want to acknowledge that. Like, people crave real. People really genuinely crave real. And if you can give them real... You will develop this trust, and vulnerability is the key to trust, and trust is everything in relationships, be it at work, at home, everything. If you can develop this trust with your people, this genuine trust, and this way of communicating with each other where you're allowed to be people, and it's actually encouraged to just be a human being, you're going to develop such a tighter, more connected group of people and team. It's going to be easier for you as a leader. Everyone's going to show up better. Connected people also stay. Mm. They don't leave People who feel disconnected do. People who feel connected to each other stay. So you're not going to have to be retraining people all the time and spending all that money on turnover, which is an obscene cost. There's just so many advantages to being vulnerable as an emerging leader. And I would say especially as an emerging leader, you have the opportunity to set the tone for your entire career by laying this foundation now. This is the kind of leader I want to be. I don't just need to follow the mold of traditional leadership over the years. I'm going to be the best kind of leader I can be. I'm going to be a real human people-first leader, and I'm going to show up that way. And I think it's a huge advantage. I love the
0: stories that you shared about that manager. And I like what you said. Yeah, people are craving real. That's what they want. So I want to talk about how to develop these essentials. And you are the CEO of The Mental Gym. So what is The Mental Gym?
1: Oh, just like we have gyms for our bodies, The Mental Gym is for your mind maybe it's tough to kind of picture this, but if you think about going to a group exercise class, a spin class, a boot camp class, a CrossFit class, that sort of thing, you get together with like-minded people, you show up, you work out together. That's what we do in the gym, but instead of working out your body, we're working out your mind. So we're challenging you to think differently and explore different perspectives. We're stretching you to grow. We're building the habits, the tools, the mindset to help you show up and perform at your best. It's trainer-led group classes, very much discussion-based. It's a really, really cool experience, and. I'm a big believer that people need a wellness solution that speaks to them. Mm. So as I mentioned before, there are more wellness solutions being offered, more access to traditional therapy, psychotherapy, apps, EAPs, mental health counseling, that sort of thing. But if we go back to that mental well-being scale, those are only directed at a certain group of people or people with a certain set of needs. But most people who aren't at a 2, most people who are like five, six, seven. nobody's talking to them, there's nothing for them. They're not looking for reactive care. We're offering them proactive well-being. So it's not therapy, it's mental fitness. It's good to great. That's why we work with like ambitious individuals, people-first leaders, progressive organizations. It's an answer to a status quo that isn't working, and things need to change. And so we all know that people need to, to work on their well-being. Like, I think we've all recognized this, especially over the last two three years. Mm-hmm. And yet we need solutions that speak to people. Because this this has to be a continuous practice. It needs to be something that, that we're doing consistently. So we need to be doing something that we genuinely enjoy doing, that it's fun, that we like showing up. We love the workout. We love what it does for our lives. That's really what the mental gym does and, and brings to people and for teams. It's that solution.
0: Mm. I like the concept of the gym because, you know, in order for you to get fit, you can't just do one workout.
1: What would happen if you worked out once or even for like a week or a month? Would you be like, I'm done. I'm healthy now.
0: I mean, it happens all the time. And, you know, we're recording this late December 2022. New Year's is coming up in like nine, ten days. You know, it's going to happen. People mm-hmm. are going to go on that fitness craze and Every year. only be there for like two, three weeks. And then by Super Bowl time, they quit. And I yeah. think what happens is that they'll be fit for a bit. But afterwards, by summertime, they're like, "Ugh, oh, I should go to the gym again. Um, but it doesn't last. It doesn't last that long.
1: No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And I think, I think we got to get rid of this like quick fix mentality, this magic Mm. bullet kind of mentality. Most people who are really successful and high performers know that quick fix stuff doesn't work. We can't do something for a little bit and hope that it changes our lives for the rest of our lives. It Mm. just doesn't, it doesn't, like you just said, that it's a perfect example. Mm. So we got to change how we think about that. Cool. How did you come up with this concept? So I'd been doing this work, I mean, unofficially, like I said, since I was 21, but that was mostly for my own benefit. And then I started sharing it with my team. I was in a different line of work then, and I saw the impact it was having on my team, just bringing out the best in people, developing really highly engaged and connected cultures. We worked in a really high turnover business. People didn't leave. Like, we kept our people. They wanted to stay. It was great. I noticed all these changes that were happening in me with this compounding effect, and people started noticing them as well. So... As a leader, personally, I was happier than I'd ever been. I was healthier than I'd ever been mentally, physically, emotionally. Like my stress and anxiety levels were way down. I had a ton on my plate, never felt overwhelmed, never felt like I was burning out. And and my relationships were the best they'd ever been. People were really noticing. So like, what have you figured out that we haven't figured out? Once that was happening that I was like, okay, wait, there's something here. I had a mentor of mine who got in my ear and he started saying like, start sharing this with people. This is important. Start sharing this with people. So when my first son was born, this is about seven years ago now, Uh, I felt this real sense of responsibility. Like I wanted the world to be a better place for my my kids to grow up in. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I had something here that I had been developing that I should be sharing with people. And so I got to work on doing that. I started actually my work working with high school and university age students because I would have killed for this when I was that age. You know that feeling like you've got potential, but you don't know what to do with it, and you don't know how to get from here to there. It's like, there's a version of myself I want to be. I know I have another level to get to, but I don't know how to get there. And I don't know who to trust, and I don't know what path to take. And that was was very much me. So this was like the answer to that. I started working on that, and it wasn't really geared towards the mental well-being side of things. It was geared towards being a better leader, performing at a higher level, being your best. But what we started noticing over time, not just with high school and university age students, but then working with educators as well teams, high-performing teams, be it sport and then in business as well, and business leaders and, and people from kind of all walks of life. We started seeing these massive increases in well-being. So by doing this work, stress, anxiety levels, feeling overwhelmed, like those were dropping dramatically, feeling calm, present, in control. Those numbers were going up dramatically, people being more productive and engaged, and really started seeing this was really kind of becoming present for me that this needed was something that needed addressing. And then one day I was right in the middle of a CrossFit class, and the light bulb went off, mm. that we've got these gyms for our bodies, we need this for our minds. And that's what got the mental gym started and the whole concept of the mental gym started.
0: Awesome. And you've been around for how many years?
1: So the mental gym started about three years ago. Uh, the work itself before that was about four years before that, called the Personal Greatness Project. Yeah, so we've been, we've been doing this for about three years now.
0: Awesome. So where can they go for more information? If someone's interested in trying a workout, uh, where can they go?
1: Yeah, if you want to try a workout for yourself or for your team, First Workout's on us. No obligation. Just check it out. I I promise you you've never experienced anything like this before. You can go on our website, www.mentalgymlife.com. There's a button right there. You can click to try a workout. That's a great place to go. If you want to connect with me personally, I'm on LinkedIn. So connect with me on LinkedIn. And yeah, I'd love to connect with you and and learn more about you and your team and who you want to be as a leader.
0: So Mental Gym's website, as well as Trying a Workout and Corey's LinkedIn are going to be in the show notes. Corey, before we leave, what's one message or one thing you want my audience of first time managers to remember from this episode?
1: Not, Not to put too much pressure on you, but the world is in your hands right now. As new and emerging leaders, you have the opportunity to shape business, shape lives, shape communities, shape the world. And that's no small responsibility. And it starts with how you show up for yourself and how you show up for each other. Something like mental fitness, I believe, is essential. We can get by, be a 5 out of 10, and that's fine, and there's no judgment, but you have the opportunity to live your 10. And if you're living your 10, you are showing up and impacting people in a way that you never have before. And the ripple effect you create will be greater than it ever has before. This is not something you have to do. It is something that you choose to do because it makes you better and the people around you so much better. And so for new and emerging leaders, I will say that no one's given you the handbook and there's a big learning curve for you here, but you have the opportunity to, to lead the way you want to inspire and engage people the way that they deserve to be engaged and inspired. Be the leader that you wish you had and that they deserve to have. And you're going you're gonna to change lives.
0: Corey, thank you so much for sharing your time uh, and your expertise with my audience today. Thank you so much.
1: Chris, it was my pleasure. Thanks again for having me here.
0: Thanks for listening to You Can Manage That. For more information about Corey and the mental gym, go to www.mentalgymlife.com. Also go to the website if you want to try a workout for free. I'm Chris Asper. For more information about me, go to my website, chrisasper.com. All of these links are going to be in the show notes. And if you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. Join us again next time when we talk with other leaders and experts so you can manage that. Bye for now.